0: Your bibles and turn to romans chapter 16 romans chapter 16 normally when it comes to our church service i typically during the scripture reading have the passage of scripture read that is going to be the one that we're going to look at it gives you a chance to consider it as we go into the service uh, normally you can figure out where i'm typically headed because you know what the next passage is each week but Uh, That does afford us the opportunity to do that. But this morning we decided to have that uh, passage from Romans chapter 1 where Paul opens up this letter uh, to remind us of how it started. And for us, as we get to the end of this book, we still have one more message that we're going to preach that gives us an overall overview and a a recall of what we've covered uh, next week. But uh, this one today where we just kind of see Paul close his letter off and in a way very similar to how he started it. And I want us to start uh, and just read uh, the passage here, Romans chapter 16, and start off in verse, uh, verse 21, and we'll read right down to the end of the passage here this morning. It starts this way. Timotheus, my work fellow... And Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you and the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you, and Cortus a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of jesus christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting god made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith to god only wise be glory through jesus christ forever amen what you see at the beginning of the section uh, you see at the end there's a benediction and we'll eventually get to that point but as you look at this uh, beginning section uh, of a bunch of more names you kind of go why are we needing more names Uh, we had a whole bunch at the beginning Uh, why is Paul adding more names here well he was greeting people in Rome but now what he's doing is this is that he is actually uh, he is telling people who is actually with him you say, well, where was Paul when he wrote uh, this letter to the Romans? Well, many of you in, the Bi- in your Bible, at the very end, uh, below verse 27, it tells you uh, there's this information that is given that says this, written to the Romans from Corinthius and sent by Phoebe, servant of the church at Sancria far as we know and from history and whatever else that this letter was written uh, to the romans from the city of corinth paul was ministering there paul was there on several different occasions uh, that he was there but on one of these occasions he writes a letter to the romans and what he does is that he is uh noting certain individuals that are with him that send their greetings uh with paul uh in the letter Uh, before this he's just noting all these people at rome and we had a a sermon uh, two weeks or three weeks ago that we looked at where it was just simply talking through a bunch of names of individuals some of them we know who they are and we find out what their contribution is and they're making contributions to the church at rome and and helping out the church at rome by their effort and who they were and what they were doing but we want to come back to this again. Here you have uh, and more individuals that are making a contribution to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's more people that, some of them insignificant, some of them well-known, but all play a role in making sure that the gospel work is going on, that Jesus is being preached and that he is being displayed uh, to people, well, in the city of Corinth, but also when Paul travels, these individuals, many of them would have been with him in the travels that he was with. These are individuals that contributed to the ministry of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it takes people of all sorts uh, to make projects happen. Some with skills in certain areas and others in, in, in skill areas that, well, are not uh, so easily gotten. And when you look at this list, uh, you see the Apostle Paul notes four individuals in verse 21 that are ones that are traveling with him and he identifies them at the end of the verse there as my kinsmen. Okay, you might say this, my brothers, but he's not saying that they're brothers in the sense that these are his brothers. What he's saying is that these are fellow Jews that are traveling with him. Paul was a Jew, and these are individuals that uh, were ones who contributed to the ministry that was there. And we know a little bit about uh, most of the individuals here, but the very first one is one whom we would say made a great contribution to the ministry of, of the gospel of jesus christ we know a lot about timotheus or we would call him timothy and what he reminds us of is that he is probably the closest of paul's co-workers as you read through paul's letters he is in all of paul's letters he's mentioned in all of them except for galatians ephesians and titus when it comes to the introduction of some of Paul's letters, at least six of Paul's letters, he marks down Timothy as being a co-author of the letter. You read the beginning of 2 Corinthians, First and 2 Thessalonians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, and Paul is sending the greetings at the beginning, and he says, Timotheus and Paul to the church at wherever it's at. And when I think about Timothy and you say, well, what kind of contribution could he make? There were many things against him making a contribution to the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn back to the the first occasion that we have Timothy mentioned, and that's in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is on the second of his missionary journeys. Uh, First missionary journey, mainly to Asia Minor. The second one goes through Asia Minor, but ends up in Europe to places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth and Athens. But it seems like that possibly in Paul's first missionary journey that he came across this Timotheus... But we find out that he eventually, in the second missions trip here in verse 1 of chapter 16, that Timothy becomes a, well, a traveler with Paul. It says in verse 1, then came he to Derby. that's referring to Paul, and Lystra, you have to remember where Lystra uh, was at, this is the place where Paul nearly died, he was stoned to death and was raised from the dead, it says there, behold, a certain disciple was there named timotheus the son of a certain woman which was a jewess and believed but his father was a greek this timotheus was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and iconium and paul would have him go forth with him and he took him and circumcised him because of the jews that were in those quarters for they all knew that his father was a greek and then verse 4, you find they went through all the cities and delivered to them the decree that they were to keep from the church of Jerusalem. When you look at Timotheus' life and where he was at, he was in what we might call a split family when it came to the faith. His mom was a Jewess and she had come to a faith in, in Jesus Christ, but she had somewhere in her life married an individual who was unsaved may have been before they she knew christ but uh, more than likely she had come to a knowledge of jesus christ and her husband did not come to a saving faith in jesus timothy raised in a home we know from the letters that paul wrote uh, and paul recounting timothy's family life that he had a grandmother and his mother that were saved but a father that was not there might be some that would say well there's a as an individual, he's probably not going to do a really good job in ministry. You know, he wasn't raised in a a family where everybody loved the Lord and everybody loved Jesus and and, uh, the like. But no, here he is in a family that is raised where there is, well, even some tension in the home over the faith of Jesus Christ, that he comes to a faith in Jesus Christ... And the amazing thing about this is that when you think about uh, Timotheus or Timothy uh, as he goes through his ministry, uh, he does great things. He's sent oftentimes to send letters to uh, different places or he's one to go and the Apostle Paul says, I'm bringing or having Timothy come to inspect what you're doing and then he's going to give me a report so treat him as you would treat me. But one of the other things that seems to go against what Timotheus might have been doing with all the responsibility he had is that he was a young man. As we might say, a youth. And, and Paul in one of his letters has to remind uh, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Don't let people look down upon you because you're young. No, be an example unto them of certain things that are Christ-like. See, with Timothy, as you look at his life, you're going, God was able to use him, even despite his family background, which was not the best when it came to uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also, with all the ministry he's doing, many people would possibly look down on him and say, he's just too young. But yet, here you have Paul, uh, going back to Romans chapter 16, has him saying here's timotheus and he's sending greeting he's he's a fellow laborer as you find him oftentimes saying with me timothy made his contribution many different ways to the ministry of the good news of jesus christ despite his background and everything else there's another person that's mentioned here We don't know much about lucius lucius is not another name for luke who traveled with the apostle paul we know that to be the case because luke wasn't a jew he's actually a gentile so this couldn't be the luke that we know or the lucius that we know that wrote both the gospel of luke and acts so we really don't know a whole lot about lucius but we do know something about jason Jason made his contribution to the ministry of the gospel. He travels with the Apostle Paul, but he's involved in a story where he risks his own life for the sake of the gospel. In this case, I I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 17. The second missionary journey when the Apostle Paul uh, takes up Timothy and then Timothy travels with them. They get to Troas and this man of Macedonia calls uh, Paul to come over to help them. And so Paul goes to the city of Philippi. And then he travels down the highway that is there and comes to a place that we would know as Thessalonica. And you find in verse number 2 of chapter 17 that Paul comes as his manner was he went into the synagogue of the jews uh, and his manner was he went in the synagogue and three sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures opening and alleging that christ must needs it was necessary for him to suffer and risen again from the dead and that this jesus whom i preach unto you is christ or for those jews they would have rung in their ears he's the messiah he's the chosen one that god said you should look for and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude and the, uh, the chief women, not a few. I mean, there's a real revival that takes place in this town. People get saved. Uh, people who knew the one true God come to know Christ. They get saved. But in the midst of good things going on, the gospel of Jesus Christ going out, what happens? Well, verse number five, but the Jews... Which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of... what does it say there? Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew out Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, or crying, These are they that have turned the world upside down, Are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and the other They let them go. See, you have the story of this Jason that is with the Apostle Paul here in the city of Corinth. He's one who uh, seemingly was a part of the group that came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, it it seems like his house is the meeting place of individuals when it comes to this uh, church in Thessalonica. And so when you have people that are upset with the preaching of Jesus, the Jews that are angered by this, they show up at the house of Jason they were looking for paul they didn't find him so they grabbed the nearest person they can grab jason is one of them and so here you have jason who's a man who by his contribution seems like he's offering his home uh, to be part of the church but he's also one who's willing to put his life on the line for christ unexpectedly but yet he is still willing uh, to be one who identifies with jesus And because of what he was able to do, the church at Thessalonica was a church that stood for a number of years. And you say, how do you know that? Because they have at least two letters the Apostle Paul wrote to that church. It was a growing and thriving church, but Jason had a part in that. What little details we have. One who was willing to host individuals in his home uh, and host the church in his home and, well, nearly suffered loss of life. You have another person going back to Romans chapter 16 that's mentioned here. His name is Sosipatar. He is known as Sopater uh, in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 4. He comes from a town called Berea. You say, Where's that? It was the next road down the road from Thessalonica. And we don't know much about him, but we do have in Acts chapter 20. He's an individual who is with the apostle Paul, and he's carrying the contribution of churches from Acacia and Macedonia. He's carrying this to Jerusalem so that they uh, that this gift could be given to them. And you say, well. What is this? Uh, and what is this? Uh, why is this important? Well, remember the Apostle Paul had been talking about earlier in this book that he was gathering funds to take from Macedonia and Acacia. Acacia uh, you find this in Acts, or excuse me, Romans chapter fifteen, verse twenty-six, that they had been gathering money for this church at Jerusalem that had been suffering they've been going through difficulty and uh, the churches there were willing to gather this together and sopater is an individual though he lives in berea is willing to take of his time and go to jerusalem to deliver this gift from the churches there that's the sopater we're dealing with here he's an individual who's willing to encourage others by gifts that he brings Verse 22, I I find a passage that is somewhat close to my heart. You go, why is that? Well, you, you have this comment. It says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Now, immediately you go, wait a second. This is the gospel of Romans written by the Apostle Paul. Who is this Tertius that is suddenly saying, I wrote this epistle? well i say that this is kind of interesting because it seems like the apostle paul needed a secretary or a scribe to write out his letters because he had bad handwriting galatians chapter 6 and verse 11 when paul is writing part of the letter uh, there to the galatians he says you see how large a letter i have written unto you with my own hand He's commenting on how bad his handwriting is. So it seems like Tertius is one who's been hired to be the scribe to write out the notices here that the Apostle Paul has given, the doctrine and the teaching that is we know as the book of Rome. Tertius is the one who wrote this out. You say, "Is that really important? I was reading an article. Uh, from a study about 10 years ago where they were studying the handwriting of doctors Have you ever gotten a script from a doctor and tried to figure out what they wrote many times i wonder how it is that when you take it to the pharmacy that they know to get the right medication to you by what is written there they did a study about 10 years ago that there was a great concern for people who were diabetics and the like that The doctor's handwriting was so bad that one out of 20 uh, of the medications gotten for the the people in the study uh, were wrong prescriptions. And uh, six out of 20, they had trouble in figuring out what the medication was, that it really was a serious problem that these individuals, the doctors were writing out something that was vitally important for the health of this individual, but people were getting the wrong medication. In some cases, it was uh, causing them to suffer as a result of bad medication well can you imagine if the apostle paul with bad handwriting had written the gospel of romans and there were things that people couldn't read and understand about the good news of jesus christ tertius did a service to the church of god in writing out this gospel so that the individuals at rome could hear this very clearly what paul was teaching and understand the doctrines of christ tertius is an individual who though we know nothing about him is one who makes great contribution in the sense that he gets this gospel in a form that can be read for people to understand the good news of jesus christ that he saves without works that the just live by faith not by works they can understand that because they can read it I also find it ironic that God uses an individual whose name is third. That's what his name means. Tertius. Third. It seems like uh, in Roman households, they sometimes named their children first, second, third, and fourth. Or they sometimes did this with their servants. They named them first second third and fourth we we would say in roman culture it would be primus and secondus, and then you have tertius and i don't know if you've caught this yet you're thinking through this there's actually uh as you read down in verse number uh 23 paul sends greeting from an individual by the name of cortis you say what does that mean he's fourth now you always find this as an interesting study. Some of you are in a family of multiple kids, and there's studies about you know who's the first kid and how what their what their characteristics are, and the second one and what their characteristics are, and then you get to the third one, you kind of know what the characteristics are, and after the you know that one, they're just kind of like, okay, well you know we, you know what what kind of characteristics they generally have. It's interesting to note here that God's able to use someone to copy the scriptures for the apostle Paul for the gospel to get out and his name is just third that's what his name is and that Paul has another person with him that's working with him and his name is fourth And God is able to use individuals that you would think, from a human perspective, not important, not significant. But the Apostle Paul says these are individuals that are making contribution to the message of Jesus Christ going out. Even individuals who have a name third or fourth. That's not to say that God doesn't use great people in the world too. You know, people that the world would look at and go, those are great individuals to bring about the gospel. I mean, he's taking people here and you have some uh, individuals that really are insignificant from the world standpoint. But Paul goes, these are people making a great contribution to the kingdom of God. But he does name a few. Verse 23, he talks about Gaius mine host. And you say, well, who's this Gaius? He's an individual that Paul says, and the ones of the whole church salute you. It's the indicator that he's the one that the church at Corinth met in his house. And to think about this, to have a house large enough to house a whole church, I mean, just think about your house. Would you want to be housing all the people that are here for a church service in your house weekly? you say that would be quite the sacrifice it would be but it also indicates the fact that he had some wealth that he had a house big enough for people to be able to meet in and he is one of the individuals you find in first corinthians chapter one and verse 14 paul made this statement i thank god that i baptized none of you but crispus and gaius Lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, I only baptized two people in the church of Corinth. That doesn't mean that there weren't more people baptized in that church of Corinth. There were ones who were giving testimony that they came to know Jesus Christ. But Paul goes, There were only two people I were involved in, and one of them was Crispus and one of them was Gaius. This individual that you find travels with the Apostle Paul, but he is willing to house the church, he's willing to take what he has as far as his wealth. He doesn't allow the wealth of this world to be the thing that dominates his life, that becomes his own God. No, he finds it, as 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, uh, that you mind uh, heavenly things, that those that are rich do that. And that's exactly what he did. He was doing the things in the church that needed to be done that he could contribute to and help with. And part of it was just this, helping to have the church meet in a certain location, be able to do that. there's another individual that's named here and it's kind of a weird title for him it's a man by the name of erastus he's called the chamberlain of the city you're like what in the world is a chamberlain we would more than likely use this term to describe it he was the treasurer of the city of corinth This is a political position. This is a a paid political uh, position that he would have been in, that he would have gotten elected to, to be a part of. He is actually a government official there in that town. In fact, we know a little bit more about this individual. And I'm going to pull up a slide here and see if I can get it to come up. That is uh, the city of Corinth today. That's the ruins that you can find today. You've got uh, the Acropolis there behind it where there was a temple on the top of that. But uh, this is what we have remaining of the city. It's still there. You can go and visit that. In fact, as you go through the city, you can go. Uh, when the Apostle Paul is uh, teaching in first, or Second Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about the fact that we must all appear before the Bema Seat of Christ Well, if you go to Corinth, you can find a Bema seat, a place that was a raised platform that a government official would be at. And in races and competitions, he would say, well done. Well done, you've honored your society or your city by the way that you've done your competition. And you would have this place where there would be approval. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when you read in the book of Acts that he's there, he gets hauled in front of this Uh, And because they're accusing him of doing all sorts of things against uh, the Roman government. And he's cleared of this. But I say all that because when you go through the ruins, there is a stone that looks like that. I don't know if you can read Latin. But if you look at the top line in the first few letters there, it spells out Erastus. E-R-A-S-T-U-S. And what it says is just simply this, that Erastus built the city square, or provided the payment to build the city square in the city of Corinth uh, as part of another government position. It's another uh, different position in the government there in the city of Corinth but his own money he's paying for the square that is there an open spot for people to meet and be able to do that he does it out of his own finances you say well what's significant about Erastus that he's the chamberlain of the city is that it's because he's such a great and fantastic you know person according to the world and my thought process is this I find it quite amazing that you have a man who is involved in the politics of the city of Corinth and all that he would have to deal with and yet still be a Christian. Because you think about the city of Corinth, it's got temples all over the place. It's got all sorts of other things going on, and yet Erastus is a Christian who functions in there and does not damage his testimony. He's involved in all of these things, and you're just kind of going, can a person who is a Christian live in this world and possibly be a testimony in the world that we live in in different circumstances and politics and the like? Can they function and be a Christian? And the answer is absolutely it can be done. It's not easy to keep your testimony and the like, but Erastus, the apostle Paul, is being commended. Here's one who's a Christian, and he's here greeting you, and he's contributing to the church here in our town. Even though he is the chamberlain, the treasurer of the city, he is one who is a Christian for Hearst. And he's doing all these other things in the town that's here. And he is an individual that reminds us that, yes, Christians can work in a worldly environment and still have a testimony for Christ. And so you have all of these names of individuals, and it just reminds us as we look around a room like this, that God can use any of us. In fact, when Paul wrote the church at Corinth, he reminds them, he goes, not many noble not many mighty not many wealthy are called no he chooses and delights in using the weak things of this world to confound the mighty to confound the wise uh it's not that god uses uh, the most famous individuals though at times he does i mean apostle paul would have been an example of that he was well known in his community before he became a christian But normally God is just using individuals that we may just even just know the name of them. But they're contributing to the ministry of jesus christ it's a reminder to all of us that we have uh, opportunity in this church to contribute to the testimony of jesus christ you may be able to reach individuals that none of the rest of us can reach with the message of jesus christ family members that we could never communicate with people in the community that we could never contact or you have abilities and talents that are able to promote the message of jesus christ that other people don't have and you're contributing though it may not be that you're in the forefront of things but you all have a part even though you might feel like you're third or fourth or individuals like that god recognizes your contribution to the promotion of the gospel of jesus christ and paul closes with the reminder that the gospel is what's important he finishes off his letter and he just doesn't simply say these people greet you no he closes it off and he has this benediction which is a a prayer of commendation for the church that god would do something in them that god would take care for them and you see in this letter or the these final two verses things that we found in in the first part of the gospel of romans you have a God who is able, you found this in verse uh, chapter one, verses four and sixteen, a God who can strengthen. you found this in Romans one and verse eleven. you find that Paul refers to his gospel, which is something referred to in romans 1, 1, 9 and sixteen that there 's a revelation where Jesus Christ was manifest and revealed. You find this in Romans one seventeen and three twenty one A reference to the prophetic scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, Paul referred to that in Romans 1, 2. To the obedience of the faith. We talked a little bit about this last week, that people are obedient to the faith. You say, does that mean we work for our salvation? No, it's just simply this. We're obedient to the call that we need to believe on the Son. And the obedience is, we believe on the Son. And He saves us. And this is what Paul is talking about when he talks about the obedience of the faith, that people believe God is dealing with all the nations. You find this in Romans 1 and verse 5, that we talk about the only God in Romans 3, verses 29 to 30, and that we talk about the wise God. So there's a connection with what Paul has already talked about. He's saying, here's what I said at the beginning. Now I'm commending you to a God who's going to do all of these things that you found in the book of Romans he's the one that can make these things happen that there is a power in the gospel as you read verse 25 now to him that is of the uh, of power to establish you according to my gospel the gospel's got power say what's the gospel we said if you simply define the gospel it's jesus christ who he is and what he did it's that simple and when you're giving people the gospel you're sharing with them here's what jesus christ did and here's who he is and the things that he did such as dying on the cross were necessary why because we're sinners we couldn't do them ourselves and so you have this jesus who came into this world to save sinners and so what you find in the gospel that the giving of this message of jesus christ is power it's got the power to transform and change individuals. And the Apostle Paul is one who would acknowledge himself that when Jesus Christ entered his life, he changed. When that Damascus Road experience happened and he came face to face with the Savior uh, and he met him. His life was changed forever. A man who had been an enemy of Jesus Christ, hauling off people to prison and giving the, uh, the okay for their death. suddenly becomes the greatest servant of the church god when you find the gospel being given to individuals and jesus christ is presented and these individuals see this christ and they accept him there's a power behind this and it's not just some weird thing out there no it's god working behind the scenes to save individuals and transform them And people can be transformed because you read Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 and you have this thing where it states the the fact that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, well, that you've been saved. That you give your life a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That there's this transformation that takes place. You're not conformed to this world, but you live differently now. There's a power that's behind this. It's God at work. When a person gets saved initially, that's not where God stops. It keeps working. And so the apostle Paul says, and now to him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, and then he makes a statement according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but is now made manifest by the scripture of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. What he simply says is this is that you can find this gospel throughout the whole of your bible. You can see it in the old testament, you can see it in the new testament. This Jesus. The problem is is that when the old testament was being written, there were a whole lot of people that were misunderstanding what was being said. They weren't seeing it clearly. They weren't understanding who Jesus was going to be. In fact, they thought that when Jesus came, the Messiah came, that he was going to conquer. That's all that was needed. They missed passages like Isaiah 53, where it talked about the fact that by his stripes, we are healed. They missed it. And so in the past, yes, when the Old Testament scriptures were given people were blind to the fact of what it was saying weren't clear in that but when jesus was actually revealed and manifested he came down to earth and he was here suddenly these old testament passages made sense they were no longer hidden they were no longer a mystery no now you have this jesus who's come and the old testament makes sense the new testament makes sense and the whole of scripture together presents a message that is sharing jesus christ You can see him in all the pages of scripture right from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 where we find that there's going to be one who crushes the power of Satan like we preached last week in in the Romans uh, chapter uh, 16 and verse 20. That this one was going to come into the world that was going to be of the seed of the woman that was going to crush the serpent's head. You have find the gospel right there in the beginning of Genesis and then you look right to the end of the book of Revelation and as you read through that, you find that if you read the book of Revelation, you just simply say this, that Jesus wins. You get to the end and everything works out as he says it's going to happen and he's the one who brings it about. The saving of mankind, but he's also judged for those that don't accept him and he brings all things together to the glory of God the Father. Which brings us to the end there where he just simply says this, that he's is the one that you have, uh, this everlasting God, to make known to all the nations the obedience of the faith, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen this jesus that has been proclaimed in this book is the one who is the solution that this power uh, behind it that's the power of god through the uh, jesus christ and his death on the cross and His rising from the dead he has the ability to save nations and that he's got the ability to save nations and save individuals he is worthy of glory temporarily You think about the things that we've read here about salvation and the like it's what jesus christ is going to be worthy of praise for and god is going to be worthy of praise for for all eternity i think we don't quite understand that once we enter into glory we're in heaven we'll we'll understand how worthless we were how rotten we were and that jesus came into this world to die for us which was something that Romans 5 communicated, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ, what, died for us. We were the enemy of him, and he died for us. We're going to get to heaven and realize this, that Jesus Christ died to save sinners, and he died to save me, and that I'm not even worthy to be in the presence of God, and here I am for eternity, because of what Jesus Christ did That he saved me. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so, as you go through this book of Romans, uh, remind yourself of this that the gospel has the power to change people, but it is what God is going to be praised for for all eternity that he saves sinners just like us. And it's because of what Jesus Christ did, the good news. Of what Jesus Christ is like. So the goal for us in, in looking at a passage like this: Are we contributing to that message? Are we helping that message to be lifted up? That Jesus saves, that He rescues, that He is one who is that uh, can change for eternity an individual, contributing like Erastus and like Gaius and like Timotheus and like tertius and Cordus and those individuals they were contributing to lifting jesus christ up are we doing that and we're not doing it in our own strength we need god's help you know you deal with people all the time that you would love for them to know jesus christ and you're just saying it would take a miracle for that person to get saved that's what it takes it requires the power of god and so i trust as you close a book out like this that you're reminded of everyone's important in getting the message of jesus christ across but it is god who is the power behind us and that we need his help for people to see christ and accept him and understand the power of god that is found in jesus the christ let's pray lord we thank you for the message of this book we'll look at it again next week but that jesus saves not through works but by faith And that that salvation is not just merely a single event that happens in life. It's an ongoing process in this life where we're changed to look like Christ, but one day we'll stand in your presence glorified because of what Christ has done. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. And may individuals that know him this week, that have put their faith in him, in this room be ones that go out and share christ by their life by their words by their actions they're displaying him and that they're taking up their part in displaying the gospel the good news that is jesus christ lord we're thankful that jesus christ has come into this world he's given us the hope of eternal salvation may we uh, trust in your power and strength as we go out in a week like this and may we be able to rejoice in seeing the power of God in Jesus Christ work itself out in other people this week. It would be a delight to see individuals saved through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, uh, do a work. We need your help. We need your power. May you give it uh, to us, strengthen us, and this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We actually have an opportunity this morning to magnify and glorify what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We have an opportunity to magnify the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have an opportunity this morning to...